You're listening to PTME Physical Therapy Podcast. This is episode 37. Today's episode is about Dynamic Neuromuscular Stabilization, or DNS for short. And my guest is Mr. Bert Sinko. He is a physical therapist, osteopathic manipulative therapist, and an exercise scientist. He is also the head organizer of the Dynamic Neuromuscular Stabilization in the Philippines, the operations manager of Health in Motion Malolos Bulacan, and the founder of HIM Prime Potentials. He earned his Master of Science in Human Movement Science from the University of the Philippines, Diliman, his Bachelor of Science in Physical Therapy from Emilio Aguinaldo College, Manila, and his Diploma in Osteopathic Manipulative Theory and Practice from the Osteopathic College of Ontario. In this episode, he discussed what the DNS system is, the principles or basis behind the system, how DNS can help rehabilitate our patients, and how we can improve our practice as physical therapists from assessment to treatment using DNS. So, let's go take a listen. All right, welcome back to PT Meal Physical Therapy Podcast, a potluck of insights and information uh, by Filipino physical therapists for Filipino physical therapists. I am your host, Johan de La Paz. Uh, good day. So, um, today we are going to talk about uh, DNS, uh, Dynamic Neuromuscular Stabilization. And to help us with that discussion and to know more about it is uh, my guest, uh, Bert Cinco. Uh, sir Bert, <laughs> welcome to the show. What's up, everybody? <laughs> How are you, sir? Uh, fine. Mm-hmm. I hope everyone is trying their best to keep themselves safe and compliant despite mm-hmm. everything. Everything, yeah, right. So, um, before we start, uh, could you give us a little background on how you started your physical therapy career, how you got into physical therapy, up to what are your roles now? Thank you for caring to ask that question. So, well, I had a dream when I was a kid. This is this is supposed to be a secret, but I'll share it with you. Okay, I had this dream. It started from the age of six. And I carried it up to, uh, I think, the, e- the end of my high school. My dream as a kid, uh, my dream as a kid was to become the next Michael Jordan. Okay. <laughs> the worst key, not Benji Paras or Alvin Patrimonio, Michael Jordan. So it, I didn't want to be like Mike. I want to be the next Michael Jordan, meaning... Uh, it shouldn't have been Kobe Bryant or LeBron James. It should have been Bert Cinco. Okay. <laughs> and finally, I had a plan of action for that. If you want to be Michael Jordan, the next Michael Jordan, the first thing is you have to be black, correct? Mm-hmm. Not just black. You have to be athletic and black. Okay? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, well, I had to play basketball before and after school, and I eventually joined the track and field team of my high school, Mary's school. And I eventually get, became the um, team captain. I participated in 400-meter dash, long wow. jump, high jump, and triple jump just to be athletic. And here goes my mother, very supportive. She told me, you're not that tall. You, you won't become as tall as NBA players. So uh, we had to compromise. She wanted me to study my way to success. Okay, so back then, uh, I found out that there is such thing as sports physical therapy, mm-hmm. and I also heard that PT is harder. It's a harder study than nursing. So okay, I'll take up physical therapy, and once once I finish, I'll deal with athletes. If I can't be a great basketball player, at least I'm gonna be able to help uh, those who are trying to achieve greatness. As a sports physical therapist. So the dream was to become a sports physical therapist. I'm still holding on to that dream. Oh, wow. <laughs> From uh, being a basketball player to sports physical therapist to mm-hmm. help uh, basketball players to reach their dreams. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're handling mostly athletes right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, met, okay, you met Mom Angela Boras, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Sir Gian Clares, the, the mm-hmm. ergon- Sir Gian Clares is the one who um, introduced me to sports physical therapy because he was my um, 
internship instructor. Uh-huh. And Angela Boras was the one who introduced me to um, the men's basketball team of UP. My uh, career as a sports PT started. Mm-hmm. And then I eventually joined the medical team of this, the Philippine Sports, ah, sorry, Philippine Olympic Committee. Wow, okay. Right now, I'm managing a clinic here in Malolos. It's mostly, uh, most of my, our patients are musculoskeletal cases and orthopedic cases. So it's an orthopedic clinic. We call ourselves uh, Team Health in Motion. So Health in Motion Clinic in Malolos. So let's now um, go on to our discussion about DNS. But before we really dive into it, uh, could you describe to us what DNS is for, for physical therapists who are not familiar with that? I'd like to, before I begin um, to explain what DNS is all about, mm-hmm. I'd like to put things into perspective first. Mm-hmm. For the benefit of your fans and your listeners, I want to explain why DNS is important to me and why it could potentially become important to other physical therapists. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's a certain word we all love and we claim to be experts of. Movement. Okay. Movement. Movement connotes change or development. It's one of our body's capacity to express ourselves itself. So our body being the storage of our intellect and morality relies upon movement. So it doesn't matter how kind we are or how learned we are, if our body is weak or frail, we won't be able to transfer our um, knowledge and skills and our beliefs into action. So imagine uh, you're on your way to, for example, you're on your way to teach your son on how to treat women properly, mm-hmm. but then suddenly you, you, you collapsed. Mm-hmm. Okay? So movement, sad to say, can be given to us and it can also be taken away from us. Okay? Movement is not present. It's, it's not for everyone. It's a gift that can be taken away from us. Uh, so one way of taking care of our capacity to move and of our physical body, of course, is through exercise. So here I'm telling you, movement is a privilege of our body and exercise is an obligation to our body. And DNS, my friends, is the Greg Popovich of functional exercises. Greg Popovich, the, the Spurs coach, head coach, okay, he's not as hyped up as Phil Jackson of Chicago Bulls, but he can definitely show you that the fundamentals, the essentials, can definitely win you championships. So DNS... It's not as profound as uh, many other systems, but it can definitely um, keep you grounded. It's a profound uh, system. Okay? So DNS, I can describe it as first a framework, a functional assessment tool, and an exercise approach. So as a framework, it's a way of, understanding the neurophysiology of locomotor system of movement as a functional tool it can give you a way of assessing the body not in a structural perspective meaning you don't see the body or the problem locally the shoulder isn't just a shoulder problem okay you don't focus on the site of pain you don't um, rely on mri x-ray whatsoever so you assess the body functionally you you um, take a look at the coordination and balance, uh, the pattern of movement, the quality of movement, uh, stereognosis, etc. Okay? And as an exercise approach, DNS uh, is an approach that's applicable for rehabilitation and for the enhancement of sports performance. That's basically what DNS is all about. So it's a framework, assessment, and um, exercise approach. Framework, assessment, functional tool, and, and uh, treatment exercise approach. Um, before we get into those uh, descriptions of DNS, what's the um, – can you describe to us the, the premise behind it? Any uh, mm-hmm. principles that describe or, or illustrate what DNS is and what, how it works? So 
I can think of four um, terms. Mm-hmm. The first is the functional approach. As I told you a while ago, mm-hmm. it's a way of um, looking the bo- at the body as a whole. So you take a look at the interconnections between joints and systems, not looking at the problem locally. You don't uh, chase after the site of pain. It's a functional approach. And then it makes use of the concept of postural ontogenesis. Ontogenesis is basically development of the human body after birth. Okay, So ontogenesis, basically these are the developmental milestones. Okay? Mm. At the uh, third month of life, we are able to lift our hips and knees. Okay. Um, at the uh, four and a half months of life, we're able to turn from um, supine to side-lying. And then at the 10th month, we begin to perform, to stand up and walk at the 14th and 16th month of life. So these, these movements okay, are um, pre-encoded in our brains. These are the milestones that as infants mature, they um, arise. Right? Okay. So postural ontogenesis. And then DNS, the um, developers of DNS studies, studied these movements. So we call this study the developmental kinesiology. Basically, the study of movement during the developing years of infants. So these, um, mo- these um, muscle functions are genetically pre-encoded in our central nervous system, okay? These are automatic. Given that the infant was born um, normally without any brain damage, etc., these motor patterns will naturally come out at a certain point in time, correct? These are our milestones. And these milestones, this, uh, they contain natural muscle patterns or muscle um, uh, functions and when you come out at a certain point in time you take those for example the act of um, turning from supine to side lying these actions will naturally develop for example the pattern of uh, rotation okay uh, rotatory stability which facilitates the function of the oblique muscles okay so the locomotor and postural patterns seen during the infancy period okay, contains these uh, muscle patterns that are um, necessary for the development of the skeletal system and of our okay. job. Okay? So basically, as a rehabilitation approach, when, when DNS practitioners prescribe exercises for the purpose of rehabilitation, they base these exercises on the, um, on the movements of infants, particularly on the third month to the 12th month of life. Okay? Because there's a certain form of um, CNS development. Okay? There's a sequence of CNS development. We all know this, that the first three months of life, approximately the first three of life, uh, movement is not voluntary. This is when primitive reflexes are, are, are seen. Okay? Mm-hmm. Involuntary movements, uh, primitive reflexes. Okay? That's the first three months of life. Uh, the brainstem and spinal level of development. And after the first year of life, our cortex begins to develop. Okay? So first three months of life, primitive reflexes. After... The first year of life, the cortex develops. We begin to be uh, able to uh, have motor learning patterns. We uh, begin to develop functional motor skills such as uh, running, galloping, and throwing. Mm -hmm. We're able to relax our muscles consciously and voluntarily. We begin to move segmentally and um, uh, not holokinetically or as a unit. Okay? So, sports participation is possible once we develop our cortex after the first year of life. But in between not knowing how to move and knowing how to voluntarily move, in between that period, the third month 
the 12th month of life, it's our subcortex that develops. Okay? So this is the period when um, sagittal stabilization, okay, um, the frontal plane sagittal uh, stabilization and even the ability to rotate, okay, and um, also our locomotor functions, this is when they develop. Okay, so uh, between knowing how to move properly and voluntarily, voluntarily and not being able to consciously move, okay, in between that period, awareness of movement is the one that's, that needs to be developed first. This subcortical level of development enables us to be aware of certain movements, certain stabilization and locomotor functions. Okay, so the DNS exercises that we prescribe are based on this subcortical level of development, the first three to 12 months of life. So, so basically, uh, the DNS came up from, from the patterns of how we as, as a child learn mm. to move. Yes. So how does that, uh, the movement of a baby relate to DNS? How does that, how does that translate of knowing the, that to, to DNS? Because what happens be, between that? Because like we learn how to move, right? We learn how to move as a kid. Uh, it gets integrated, right? To us, mm-hmm. it, it becomes automatic. Uh, on the perspective of, of rehab, then how do we relate that to knowing how we learned how to move? Movement is contextual, right? So, mm-hmm. for example, uh, you're moving for the purpose of, um, as an athlete, you want to learn how to lay up, okay, to shoot the three points. As a lay person, uh, you move in order to feed your family okay, for work purposes. So, uh, uh, at the end of this, conti- imagine a continuum. Uh, the end um, result is um, skills, mm-hmm. okay, movements and skills. But before you can be able to um, move skillfully, you need some um, parameters of fitness, right? You need to develop your strength, mm-hmm. okay? You need to produce force in order to push and pull. Mm-hmm. You need power, okay? You need strength. I uh, sorry, speed, agility, and quickness, and of course, cardiopulmonary endurance. Those things are prerequisite to skills development or skills enhancement. Okay, but before you can develop strength, power, speed, agility, etc., et okay, something or uh, something is crucial. Okay, mm-hmm. and we call it postural control or core stability. Core stabilization, whatever you want to call it. I'll call it um, postural control. So postural control precedes um, strength, power, and skillful movement. It follows these things, these fitness parameters, like a lost puppy, like a shadow, Mm -hmm. like a a kid in the pitan asking for five pesos. (laughs) So postural control, control precedes skillful movement or any purposeful movement for that matter. Okay. You need stability and mobility first because these are necessary for you to develop uh, skillful movement. But before you can develop your posture, your postural control, guess what developmentally takes place first? So in terms of our developmental milestones, our sagittal stability develops from the sixth week of life and matures fully at the third month of life. But before we can develop that, it's necessary that we know how to breathe first. So breathing comes before postural control. In fact, we begin to make use of our diaphragm at the second week of life. And our diaphragm, if you notice, at the third month of life, a child can um, lift his knees, hips, and um, ankles, okay? But you don't see a kid with a hypertonic um, abdominal muscles. Okay? Okay, at a supine position, a child or an infant can lift his um, lower extremities, even without the, uh, the compensation of the abdominal muscles. And it's because at the third month of life, our diaphragm 
is functioning not just for respira respiration, but also for core stabilization. So technically, our diaphragm is a core muscle. Okay? And what's good about DNS is that it has um, defined what core stability is and what core muscles are. Unlike any other um, definition, some people would define core muscles as, well, it's the deep muscles of the spine. Some, some fitness trainers would define core muscles as our abdominals. Okay? But DNS defines um, core muscles as, first, at the ceiling, imagine our trunk, at the ceiling, we have the diaphragm. At the flooring, we have the pelvic floor muscles. In front are the abdominal muscles. And at the back, posteriorly, are the extensor muscles of the spine. Okay. And along with that cube-like muscles, cube-forming muscles, we have the deep neck flexors. Okay? So DNS defines core muscles as those muscles. And they call it the integrated spinal stabilizing system. So what I like that about DNS because they were able to define what core muscles are. Okay? What should be uh, focused on if you want to, to prescribe core stabilization exercises. Mm -hmm. so these are the muscles that should be targeted. And when these muscles function, they create a certain intra-abdominal pressure in our midsection. Okay? So that's uh, their way of stabilizing the spine through intra-abdominal pressure regulation. Okay? So as physical therapist, when you rehabilitate uh, a patient, okay, you make use of these patterns. You develop the uh, breathing pattern first. Make sure uh, that the breathing pattern is efficient because without the correct breathing um, pattern, you won't be able to teach postural stabilization exercises. And before you, you um, teach your um, patient some skillful movements like squatting or deadlifting or uh, weightlifting for that matter, you have to make sure that their um, core muscles are um, um, stabilizing or working for stabilization are active basically. Okay? So it gives you a pattern of exercise prescription as a physical therapist. There's a lot of terms already in that, in that state, the whole statement. So let's go back. I have a lot of questions as well. Um, so we, you, you tackled on breathing, uh, focusing on breathing first before postural control and postural control uh, precedes movement. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it, does fo it follows uh, the motor control uh, theory of stability before mobility. Yes. Something like that. Mm -hmm. yes. And and you describe the it's good that, that, that you have that DNS describes the whole uh, core muscles, which is a diaphragm above pelvic floor and uh, uh, the abdominals and and uh, the, the back mm -hmm. muscles. Uh, oh, wow. Don't forget the neck flexors. And the neck flexors. <laughs> Yeah, how, yeah. My question is, how does the neck flexor become uh, core muscles? So they um, they found out that these are the set of muscles that function uh, that developed that developed first before the skillful movements. Basically, they have their own uh, study um, done in order to come up with those findings. Mm -hmm. uh, a certain set of muscles. Because if we're going to go back to developmental milestones, uh, the, the baby mm -hmm. learns to move his or her neck first. Yes. Lifting it up. To um, uh, rotate the head at the third month of life. Mm -hmm. The fourth month of life, we begin to uh, rotate our head fully. And mm -hmm. we won't be able to carry or to lift our heads and rotate them without the activity of the deep neck flexors. Just the deep neck flexors and not the extensors? Yes. Mm, okay. And you also mentioned earlier that um, the importance of the intra-abdominal pressure. So how does that um, play into uh, the stability of the core? Let me explain first that um, if we're talking about postural control, there are two types 
uh, of postural control. We have the static and the dynamic. Static is the ability to um, uh, assume and maintain a certain posture uh, with minimal or no um, perturbance or um, not uh, being out of balance. Okay, And dynamic stability is basically being able to perform tasks while maintaining a certain position, okay, a base of uh, support. Okay, but in terms of modes, we have two modes of postural control. We have the feedback um, mode and we have the um, feed forward mechanism. So feedback is basically okay, a reaction to a perturbance. For example, you know that someone is going to push you, okay? Mm -hmm. So he attempts to outbalance you. And of course, your reaction is to tighten your muscles, your mm -hmm. core muscles. Or if someone is about to punch you in your abdomen, your reaction is to tighten your abs, right? Mm -hmm. So feedback mechanism is reactionary, okay? On the other hand, you have the feed-forward mechanism. So meaning uh, uh, the core muscles, okay, uh, uh, they uh, contract before the stimulus. So meaning, you know for sure that, um, okay, for example, there's a stimulus, okay? You're going to be pushed. The core muscles, without you consciously or voluntarily uh, contract it, contracting it, are already contracting even before the stimulus. Mm -hmm. So it's a feed-forward mechanism, okay? So in DNS, your uh, end goal is to be able to uh, prescribe loading, okay, to challenge stabilization, but uh, at the same time, by then, when you're, when you're already introducing loading or weights, this um, integrated spinal stabilizing system should be consciously or involuntarily active, okay? Uh, you don't have to consciously contract it. But, of course, okay, good. I think you questioned, you asked something about, okay, we know how to move. And why do we forget how to move properly? Okay. Take note that our movement patterns can be influenced by culture, mm -hmm. by habits, by sports participation, and many other factors. Okay. It, it, it can be pathologic or it can also be... Um, influenced by our cultures and other factors, okay? So even if we uh, naturally develop our movements, if, for example, our sport um, entails that we make use of unilateral movements, like throwing, okay? Mm -hmm. We begin to um, make use of just certain groups of muscle, and we overload those muscles, and overloading of muscles can affect the kinetic chain, okay? It can irradiate to other um, 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 regions of the body, okay? So if you want to rehabilitate, of course, you have to tap into the natural synergistic patterns of movement. And you do that by facilitating the natural locomotor postural response found at the first, uh, sorry, the three to 12 months of life. So ma you make use of certain exercises prescribed by DNS, okay? Mm. So you want to return, you want to facilitate the right patterning of muscles. Mm -hmm. uh, that's your approach in uh, rehabilitation. Basically, you make use of those movements of infants mm -hmm. to assess the body if they're not moving properly or correctly, and then you prescribe exercises to correct that that are based also on the infant movements. That's a lot to take in. Huh? <laughs> That's a lot to take. There's a lot of terms to understand. But I, I, I see the, the, the background talking about the framework of, of DNS, which is going back to how infants move and uh, incorporating that to assessment and, and treatment starting with uh, breathing, then postural control, then going to uh, the movement specifically for that uh, patients. So um, let's, and, and we've tackled already, like touched on uh, some of the treatment approaches. 
mm-hmm. but you also said earlier that this can be an assessment and a functional tool. So how mm-hmm. does uh, DNS play in assessment? Okay, so the assessment, um, the assessment part of DNS is also, like I mentioned a while ago, mm-hmm. based on uh, the, the infant movements, mm-hmm. the infant development. Okay, so take for example, um, uh, okay, uh, as simple as the third month of life. Okay, imagine at the supine position, at the supine position, you're able to lift your hips and knees and ankles so that you can form a triple 90 degree position. Imagine your hips at the 90 degrees lifted, your knees at the 90 degrees, and your ankles at the 90 degrees. So we call it a triple flexed position. So it arises at the third month of life. And then that can be taken as a uh, both as an exercise approach and as, a, as an assessment approach. As an assessment approach, for example, you have an adult patient, you ask your adult patient to, to assume that certain position. You facilitate that certain position. Okay? But if your patient is unable to assume that position, okay, you will notice that certain muscle patterns are inappropriate. Okay, at that certain position, by lifting the lower extremities, you may be able to see the sternocleidomastoids compensating, hypercontracting on one side. You'll be able to see the pectoralis major on one side elevating instead of um, uh, statically um, contracting you'll be able to notice that the umbilicus is um, uh, moving cephalically or um, superiorly. So those things are unnatural. Mm -hmm. So these superficial muscles, the pectoralis, the the, uh, rectus abdominis, and the sternocleidomastoid should not be um, um, contracting or overcompensating during that particular posture. Mm-hmm. Because at that posture, you should be utilizing your diaphragm and the deep stabilizing muscles of your spine. Okay? So as an exercise approach, if you facilitate those um, deep stabilizing system, okay, you'll be able to um, relax the SCM, uh, the pectorals, uh, even the low back muscles, and the abdominal muscles because, okay, these muscles are hyperactive and they might be causing uh, dysfunctions at the joints and can be uh, leading you to developing pain, right? Okay, so uh, there's a connection between um, pain and posture, okay, and um, the inability to breathe properly. Okay, so with... With just that simple mentioned um, one milestone, the third month of life. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of milestones that you can still use. So, <laughs> so with, with only that movement, you can assess a lot of things already. So what type of face, what types of patient would benefit from that type of assessment? Is mm-hmm. it just like musculoskeletal patients or orthopedic patients or can oh, be neurologic sorry. patients? I like your question. There are a lot of, there are various DNS practitioners who specialize in different settings. We have DNS practitioners who uh, focus on the pediatric population. We have um, DNS practitioners who are into weightlifting or um, athletes, okay? We deal with athletes. Of course, DNS can also be applied in the orthopedic setting, okay? I found out that, um, like I said, diba, uh their exercises are patterned in the second level of development, the subcortex. Mm-hmm. And then it can be um, translated into the skillful movements, the cortical development. Okay. So it facilitates cortex and the subcortex. And there's this study that um, mentions that DNS can actually uh, facilitate neuroplasticity. Oh, okay. okay. So exercises, exercises based on DNS, okay, uh, 
they made a study, okay, through functional MRI that it facilitates not just the cortex but also the subcortex. These are adult populations, okay. Mm -hmm. And another study, I forgot the authors. Uh, they applied DNS in um, hemiparetic stroke patients, mm -hmm. okay? and they found out that um, DNS exercises applied to stroke patients can actually improve their core stabilization better than other um, exercise systems, than other neuromuscular um, exercises. It's good for um, stroke patients mm -hmm. okay? because it um, creates uh, certain brain neuroplasticity. Okay, mm -hmm. neuroplasticity, as we know it, is our brain's ability to reorganize, to mold itself, okay? mm -hmm. uh, in reaction to our environment or to the functions that are being introduced and reintroduced to it. So yes, it's applicable even for neuro rehab. Since we're trying to train uh, and assess them with awareness and control. Does the patient have to have a, a, a certain level of cognitive, um, uh, uh, cognitive level to be able to participate in the assessment and treatment? Or um, pwede, na yung, pwede rin yung mga medyo cognitively like, declined? Just like any other exercise approach, mm -hmm. of there's a need for you to... Uh, to cue the patient, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, give instructions, mm -hmm. etc. Mm -hmm. So it would help definitely mm -hmm. if the um, cognition is intact. Okay. okay. But um, with DNS, you'll be uh, able to make use of tactile cueing as well. So, mm -hmm. well, it would be challenging, but mm -hmm. it's possible. It would be better if um, cognition is intact. Mm -hmm. because, um, you're not just trying mirroring, mirroring, um, um, cueing, okay? uh, demonstrating the pattern is not enough because mm -hmm. when you facilitate certain muscles, okay, your goal for the patient is for them to actually feel, have a feeling of what normal contraction is. So you're going mm -hmm. to certain muscles. I want you to, um, to uh, um, facilitate this. I want you to contract this during this particular movement. Mm -hmm. You're basically in DNS, it's a form of brain training. You're mm -hmm. training the brain. You're um, allowing the patient to feel, to be aware of right postures, correct um, movement patterns. Mm -hmm. So uh, you're after the quality of movement, not mm -hmm. the quality. So you don't progress it, oh, mom, you, you have to do this uh, 10 repetitions by the five sets. Okay. With this kind of loading, you're not after the quantity of exercises. Okay? You're after the quality. Okay? Mm -hmm. For example, uh, you're able to uh, facilitate this certain posture. For example, squats. Mm -hmm. uh, you taught the patient, you're trying to teach the patient on how to squat properly. And you apply DNS principles in that squatting. By the way, squatting is found at the 12th month of life. So it's naturally prescribed as a DNS exercise. Uh, but you're conscious on um, making use, of course, stabilizing muscles. Okay, you're conscious of the right alignment of certain uh, joint segments. Okay, so while you're facilitating this squatting pattern, okay, uh, you want the patient to have a feeling of the right way to squat. Mm -hmm. okay? You're not after loading the the squat. You're not after putting um, uh, 50 pounds of weight immediately, you want to facilitate the right patterns first before you can give them loads. Your goal, actually, is to facilitate the right pattern. So, if for example, the right pattern comes at the first three reps only, and after the fourth rep, they begin to, uh, um, to show some compensatory con movements. For example, the the knee begins to rotate internally. Mm -hmm. The spine begins to, to have increased lordosis. Okay? The neck begins to protrude forwardly at the fourth repetition. Mm -hmm. Then the capacity of the patient is to simply perform three repetitions. Mm -hmm. So I focus on that first three repetitions because 
you want to you are you're after the quality of movement mm. until they build some form of endurance mm-hmm. okay. once you notice that your patient is uh, exhibiting those compensatory movements as you said like on the fourth uh, repetition they already uh, demonstrated those uh, mm-hmm. patterns compensatory patterns you stop at that yes uh, okay so that they won't uh, try to keep doing the the wrong pattern it would be unproductive yes mm-hmm. and we're actually be feeding the problem itself. right okay so that's uh we're already touching on the the rehab approach so can, can you give us like a specific case or condition or example that you would apply uh, the DNS approach in your your rehab uh, well like how does ask, that look like okay what's your go-to exercise if Me? you feel like for example you've been working for uh, 14 consecutive days and you feel um, you're out of shape and you suddenly feel this guilt and you want to exercise what's your immediate um, go-to exercise uh, usually body weight like squats and push-ups but most people okay uh, would go to running, mm. running to uh, jogging. Mm-hmm. And in fact, okay, there's this t- study done between 2009 and 2014 that marathon running has become too popular worldwide. Okay? Not equally, but in, at least in America and Asia, marathon running has become uh, well engaged in, very popular. In fact, in the Philippines alone, Marathon running has um, grown by um, three, 211%, wow. just third behind Russia and China, which we know are big countries, right? Mm-hmm. So people, uh, if they feel guilty, feel out of shape, they run, they mm-hmm. jog, right? The thing about running, and have you heard about the 2009 worldwide fitness trends? Number one is... Um, Wearable technologies. Mm, right. Fitbit. Mm-hmm. And we call it Apple, Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. And we know that these things are um, used for uh, building the cardiopulmonary endurance, for running, right. for monitoring your, your cardio. Okay? So the thing about um, cardio training, they're actually associated with um, increased risk of having injuries. In fact, there's a study by Hutman et al. I, I, I um, remember this. Men, between men who engage in running and um, men who are sedentary, men who are um, exercising are actually 70%, seven times more predisposed to having activity-related injuries. And between mm. men, women who do not exercise and those who are sedentary, there's no significant difference between them incurring those activity-related injuries. So if you're understanding this correctly, you have this will to exercise. You Mm -hmm. want to be fit. You want to be in shape. But then, okay, with that negative experience of having these injuries, okay, you stop exercising. Because running is associated with um, they, they're known to cause some certain forms of injuries. Particularly, okay, first, they found, they, there's this study that, um, that found that runners tend to have weak um, longissimus and uh, erector spinae. And this weak, the weakness of these two particular four muscles, okay, uh, can change the running mechanics mm-hmm. across all gait um, cycles. So meaning it can create overloading at the lower extremity and then eventually affecting uh, the passive stabilizers, meaning the ligaments and the meniscus. So runners are found to be uh, developing um, lower back pain, uh, knee problems, uh, plantar fasciitis, um, uh, leg problems like uh, medial tibial stress syndrome. Okay, so... These runners, okay, of course, this endurance type of activity, you're actually feeding a lot of um, biomechanical problems. And as a physical therapist who deals with movement, you want to somehow reset these um, uh, problematic motor patterns. And you do that by uh, not 
not by focusing on their skillful movements, but their uh, stabilization um, patterns. So you want them to be aware, aware first of um, how to uh, be stable at the sagittal, frontal, and rotatory planes. So it's applicable. I, I have a lot of runners, mm-hmm. running patients, especially my triathletes, marathoners, and the weekend warriors. How do you train runners to uh, go back to uh, yung mga habits na ganun? So runners, of course, their goal is to be able to run again pain-free. Mm-hmm. Okay? Bonus na lang, their expectation of you is to deal with their pain. They don't expect you to improve their speed or agility and quickness. Okay? But before they can run, okay, of course, there are postures that they have to uh, be able to perform correctly first. Like um, you need them to know how to hinge their hips. So you teach them hip hinging patterns. Uh, before they can learn how to squat. So hip hinging, okay, at the eight month of life, um, from the prone position, infants are able to uh, perform the bare squatting postures, meaning from the quadruped position, they're able to lift the hips uh, upward. So imagine quadruped lifting the hips upward, so that's the bare squat position. That's actually a demonstration of basic uh, hip hinging pattern, which you see, uh, during deadlift, correct? Mm-hmm. And uh, that hip hinging pattern is actually a posterior to anterior hip movement. Okay, So you teach the, the patient first how to move the hip posteriorly and anteriorly. And then eventually they learn how to perform squat, which is actually uh, superior to inferior pelvic movement. Okay, So those hip movement, just for to set an example, is necessary because you need that for your running mechanics, okay? Mm-hmm. So you facilitate um, hip hinging and squat patterns. But before you can facilitate those patterns, they need to know how to um, uh, stabilize themselves uh, at the frontal plane, okay? So imagine your side planks position, okay? There's a DNS variation for, for a side planks position. So these are patterns found at the... Um, fifth to seventh month of life, okay? Uh, a baby, you would see a baby at the eighth month of life um, doing the uh, unsupported seating, okay? Mm-hmm. This is the unsupported seating at the eighth month of life. This is actually a frontal uh, stabilization pattern. And then uh, rotation is actually necessary for you to uh, run efficiently, okay? Actually, in all types of sport, rotation, trunk rotation is crucial. Whether it's basketball, golf, or running, especially because of uh, the rotation of the trunk. Okay, yung, um, okay. during running, rotation can be uh, facilitated at the fifth month of life when, you're, when we're learning how to uh, shift from supine to side-lying and side-lying to prone position. So this is when our oblique muscle chains are... Um, they begin to develop, okay? So before they, they engage in side planks posture, they need to know how to rotate first. So mm. uh, for, to re-educate runners, okay? sorry, to rehabilitate runners, you have to re-educate them with a lot of um, things first in order to facilitate the correct patterning, an efficient way of um, moving whenever they run. Mm. Tedious, mm-hmm. actually. Okay? So and you know what? Even for runners, even if it's a cardio exercise, you will see that there are runners who do not know how to breathe properly. So okay. you can actually begin by facilitating the proper way of breathing. Okay? That the diaphragmatic way of breathing first. Mm-hmm. You'll be surprised. Even, even if they're runners, you'll see them um, uh, breathe with their... Um, upper thoracic with their necks the compensation of their pectoral muscles. It's like they're hyperventilating. Mm-hmm. So correct that first. Correct the, their breathing patterns. And, and then we'll talk about your postural stability. And then after you're okay with your stabilization, we go to your skillful movements, your running mechanics. Mm-hmm. You don't go to that unless you're able to uh, stabilize yourself. Alright. So really going back to basics first. And gaining that breathing postural control than your movement. 
Okay, okay. So for the physical therapists who want to learn more about DNS, where can they go? Hmm. If you're in the U.S., I think uh, there are some instructors. Uh, Claire Frank, okay, is one DNS instructor and researcher. Researcher. She's based there in the U.S. In the Philippines, if you want to, okay, study DNS, you add me in Facebook. We're mm-hmm. <laughs> Or you follow our DNS Facebook account, DNS Philippines. Uh, of course, this year, we, we plan to um, have the basic course, the basic and intermediate course. But, of course, with this pandemic, right. the, uh, the instructors are not willing to, to travel. So mm-hmm. we'll be moving it to next year. <laughs> Hopefully right. next year. By just listening to you, that's very interesting. That's a good tool to... To use for your patients and very helpful. I mean, going back to like what you said earlier, concentrating on the postural control before going to uh, your movement patterns and, and trying to concentrate on the good habits and good patterns. It's nice. It's good. All right. Do you so, being DNS, <laughs> what's that? Do you feel like studying DNS? Already? Yeah, <laughs> that got me curious actually. Since uh, I'm um, concentrating on geriatrics, um, and you said like um, like older people would have like um, unhealthy habits or bad habits that they form with movement, and also with their other conditions, they 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 have like compensatory movements. That's I think that would be a good approach as well to retrain how they're moving and and getting to the i mean the basics of movement because they have learned they have built that ha- bad habits due to pain uh due to um some functional limitations so um yeah so um well yeah i just we're coming to the end of the the conversation thank you very much for shedding light to what dns is um, I'm sure a lot of uh, our listeners would be uh, interested in, in this approach. Um, uh, I just have my last bites, my last three questions. So it may not be related to the topic, but it, it's something that I just want to have your uh, um, insight on. The first one is if, so we've talked about DNS and you focusing on, on sports uh, physiotherapy. Um, what is something that you want to share uh, the listeners, to the listeners that you think is, is something that uh, that might be helpful for them as well, aside from the things that we have uh, talked about. If you're a physical therapist listening to this podcast, okay, or you're uh, a client, a patient, or an athlete, okay, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll talk about, you're a Tomasian, right? Mm-hmm. You're a Tomasian. So, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, a theologist and philosopher. Okay? Mm-hmm. We learned from him that um, faith without action is dead faith. Okay? So it applies to Christianity, right? It definitely applies to Christianity. So it doesn't matter how um, learned you are of the Bible, right? even if you read the Bible daily, if you're not willing to serve others, uh, it doesn't count. Okay? Because Sacrifice is the ultimate language of love. And this saying that um, faith without action is dead faith can be applied to our profession as well, to physical therapists, to physical therapy as movement experts. Because like I said a while ago in my introduction, the body, the physical body is the storage of our intellect and of our morality. Mm -hmm. So if you want to uh, transfer your uh, beliefs Okay. Uh, you as a physical therapist and as a lay person, as a client, should love movement. Okay? And you, you uh, take care of your movement. You cherish your ability to move by exercising. Okay? Uh, appreciate that movement is a privilege and exercise is an obligation to our body. Okay? If you love movement, if you're into exercise, keep on going because uh, exercise is our 
uh, way of celebrating the fact that we're able to move. Okay? Exercise for the simple reason that you can. You mm -hmm. can. You can. Okay? Love exercise. Build that um, exercise habit. You need that not just as a lay person, but as a physical therapist who is claiming to be movement experts. Medyo nasaktan ako na tinamaan ako doon. Pero yeah, I, I totally agree with what you say. It's uh, uh, even if you're not into um, uh, religion or, or anything, but yes. just like anything in the world, whatever your possession is, take care of it. Di ba? Parang ganun din sa love. Di ba? If you have your partner, you also take care of it. Di ba? So <laughs> it's applicable to anything. So um, second question is for for also like in order for us to because uh, you mentioned uh, about like movement and, and uh, appreciating our movement and stuff. Um, in order to elevate uh, our profession as physical therapists, what should what should we do? Am I correct? This is already the second season of um, PT Mill. Third. I saw it pod third, na ba? Ah, kaya itong recording na to, third season na to. <laughs> I saw it because in at uh, a podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I had this impression that I'll be part of the second season, oh, which, third. which, yeah, which gave, gave me a thrill uh -huh. and excitement because, you know what, um, uh, I, I was thinking, okay, mm -hmm. if you're part of the second installment, whether it's uh, music, music album, or a series, or movie, mm -hmm. there's a certain pressure if you're, if you're part of the second installment. Because there's a thin line between people um, requesting for a third installment and people telling you that you should have just uh, stuck to, ha to uh, <laughs> one hit wonder. Okay? Uh -huh. But I, I saw that you're able, you're, you're at the right track because you've, you've invited the legendary um, Dr. Jojo Sison, the great uh, Professor Mike Peralta, uh, the intelligent and sexy mom Angela Boras, <laughs> that trailblazing kid. Uh, Jerome De Leon, the scoliosis guy, mm -hmm. and uh, that talk, uh, Joy Nolasco, mm -hmm. uh, very informative. So, I think if you want to build, build on your uh, knowledge and skills and to be able to contribute to your profession, you should uh, look up to these um, people. I call them the uh, illuminators, the enlighteners the leaders of this profession. You should have uh, be idealistic about it in the sense that uh, you should have an idol. You should look up to these people and see how they succeeded. Uh, that's precisely how why I like what you're doing, me because you're opening up the minds of physical therapists, that there's more to life than um, hot packs, stands ultrasound, and... Uh, uh, those things that are under the basic physical therapy curriculum. Okay, you're undergoing that five years of training is enough for you to pass the board exam, but they're not enough, sad to say, to make a great, a good physical therapist, good and effective physical therapist out of you. Okay, you need to um, you need to listen to those who came before you. You need to. Um, Search for those um, knowledge that are far beyond what's offered in our physical therapy curriculum. Okay? Mm -hmm. Be ready to, for that journey because your license is just the beginning <laughs> of mm -hmm. that uh, journey. Long mm -hmm. and, okay? uh, you know what? I got here because of certain people. Mm -hmm. okay? When I was in UST, there's these two guys. Okay? Pag dumaan sila, people would uh, turn their heads. Sir Valdones and Sir Yomil Adriano. Okay? Whenever they pass by, people would, would um, talk with each other. And I asked I ask them, who are these guys? Para silang F4. <laughs> There's only two of them and they're not long-haired. Mm -hmm. uh, Sir Yomil yan, Sir Val. Mga manual therapist yan. Mm -hmm. What's manual therapy? What's, what's a manual therapist? Well, you know, you don't have to memorize those ultrasound parameters. You don't have to memorize uh, that, that paraffin wax and that oil ratio. 
Okay? No need for ultrasound. Just their hands. They can fix the body. They can help the patients. Sabi ko, cool, ah. Uh, Cost-effective. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay? So that's what I want to become. I'll be a manual therapist. Mm-hmm. And right, actually, a few hours after finding out that I passed the board exam, I immediately called Sir Yomil because he's the more accessible between the two. Sabi ko, Sir Yomil, um, I, I just passed the boards. Handa na ako. I'm ready. Mm-hmm. And so he welcomed me. So the, um, uh, the effectivity of my manual therapy approach right now, I owe it to Sir Yomil Adriano. And he's also the guy uh, who introduced me, who, um, who invited me to learn DNS in Hong Kong. So he funded oh, okay. my, um, my study. I actually owe it to him. And um, by um, organizing DNS trainings in the Philippines, I'm actually just paying it forward. Mm-hmm. So you chased after the advanced trainings. Okay, if you're into orthopedic manual physical therapy, we have PayOMP, a Philippine Association of Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapists, who are um, uh, who is actually the official special interest group of PPTA. Okay, if you want to learn uh, manual orthopedic approach in manual therapy, go to them. Okay, Sir Yomil uh, offers other uh, manual therapy approaches like Mulligan concepts. Um, other neuromuscular approaches. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, Rehab Trends, on the other hand, as another brand, I'm mentioning a lot of groups here. Mm-hmm. You go to them. You you train with them. Okay. You build your skills because building our skills will build our credibility as our profession. Mm-hmm. So, once we build our credibility, it follows that doctors and um Patients will re- respect us as a profession. That that's a, a really packed answer. So you you ganda because you mentioned um, looking up to those who have already done it, who mm-hmm. already been there, and kinalbutan ako eh. And now we're gonna add another eliminator, Bert Cinco. <laughs> wow. And he also said that yeah, improve our owner skills. Tamay because. The, the the lessons that we learn from school is enough to uh, for our license and it's up to us to really hone our skill try to go where we are more passionate about there's a lot of avenues of physical therapy and 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 you said that by by um, honing our skills and we also build our credibility in our profession very good <laughs> totally agree um, as uh, my last question is the Episode, uh, the show is uh, named PT Meal. Um, it's a complete meal of information. So um, what are the three ingredients that are essential in your life that right now that you always carry? Yeah, the three stuff, three ingredients that make up Bert Cinco. Parang <laughs> pageant. I mentioned a while ago the word credibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, you build credibility by um, knowing your stuff, by uh, building your uh, background, your knowledge background and your skills, and your, uh, uh, your practice, building your practice. Credibility is important. Excellence is just as important. Okay? Because people rely on you. They entrust their life, their quality of life on you. And so you have this responsibility to constantly learn, to constantly uh, up, uh, upgrade your knowledge and skills, and to not let your skills get stuck. You have to make use of, of them or, or else you will lose them. So credibility as a professional, excellence as a practitioner, and then the third will follow, trustworthiness. And you build your trustworthiness by being simply be, by being professional in whatever you do. Okay, so if you want your profession or you as a practitioner to be uh, known by the, to be recognized by the society to earn the respects of uh, other healthcare practitioners, build your credibility. Focus on being excellent. 
be trustworthy. Okay? Mm-hmm. So I hang on to those um, values okay. as a physical therapist. So again, thank you very much for your time, sharing your, your experience and your expertise with us and the listeners. Um, before I let you go, uh, where can uh, they contact you if they have any questions? Okay. Well, I have an Instagram account if you want to follow me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then um, Facebook, you can follow me on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I normally post stuff in our Facebook page in Health in Motion Clinic. Health in Motion. Health in Motion. I, um, we do lives there, Facebook lives, and I post some uh, extra knowledge. And of course, mm-hmm. I, I promote our practices, our profession there. Mm-hmm. But if you want, if you have something, if you have asked me something, follow me on Facebook. Mm-hmm. We also have, if you're um, trying to monitor DNS schedules in the Philippines, uh, try to look up for dynamic uh, DNS Philippines. So, um, what is, as a closing, uh, what is that one thing that you want our listeners to take away from today's episode? Love and appreciate movement. As I mentioned a while ago, it's our way of taking care of our body. Don't go on prescribing movement if you yourself do not move at all. Take care of your body by exercising. Celebrate the fact that you're able to move by exercising. And then the most important um, rest, uh, ingredient of all, enjoy movement. All right. For it, Cinco, everyone. Thank you very much again. You're welcome, Sir John. Thank you again for listening and supporting the show. Make sure to subscribe to the show's social media pages in Facebook and Instagram at PTMill Podcast and the website at www.ptmillpodcast.com. Until next time, see ya!